All right. Africa. I can almost talk about Africa. Does someone have said that Africa is shaped like a question mark? If you ever look at it, <laughs> and if it is shaped like a question mark, it's more like, so there's a lot of problems for us and questions we need to answer. But, like we say in Africa, it takes two hands to wash one. And we'll talk about partnership. That's what we'll do, those are the things we'll be talking about. Here are a few things as we we go through it. Why a passion for mission? I'm hoping that when we leave from here today, you will be like Jeremiah in Jeremiah 20. He said, no, I'm so angry with God. God will have deceived me. Everywhere I turn, people are gossiping about me. My name is on their tongue. But again, if I don't want to talk to you or share your word, it becomes like fire in my belly and I can't hold it. I have to vomit it. So I'm hoping that after this little talk about missions in Africa, you would be burning for God. Like St. Augustine said, I burn for his glory. I hope we all will leave this class today would be burning for his glory. If you are frustrated, you want to get out, thank God you are in this class. Our mission pastor sits right there, Charlie. Uh, just, you know, we have places we can send you, get away from America, and you will be there. Don't even listen to the news or be discouraged. You will just engage people. So <laughs> we are in there for a good, good ride. And then the things that I want to share is that how is mission, no, how has mission changed? Greatly, and we see that. It has changed. In the first place, me standing here, it has changed. Where's Hussein? I saw Hussein. Hussein. Where's Hussein? Hussein. Oh, yeah, okay. he's right there. Uh, <coughs> he's not from this country, too. Uh, I see Alan. Alan, where are you from again? Romania. Romania. The Romanian. Okay. Mission has changed greatly. Um, how will mission change going forward? We, those are things we'll be looking at in the next, you give me only one hour, can you imagine? That's just intro for me. <laughs> what is the big picture of God, what God is doing in Africa? And you cannot talk about Africa uh, without talking about Asia. You cannot talk about Asia without talking about Latin America. You cannot talk about these other countries without bringing the rest of the world. What now they are calling the global south. Many nationals, people who were, were receivers, are now senders. And we will see that. And what is God's purpose in missions? And I will possible. How can you get involved from here today? Uh, I'm praying and hoping that after we are done, uh, you will feel so miserable that you won't sleep tonight. <laughs> and, and, uh, that you, you know, you renew, you will send your passport to the State Department for them to renew it. Dust it up, and they'll start calling you around. You're itching for God. Uh, I, I hope Augustine's word will become true that our hearts are restless until they find rest in Him. Uh, that's my prayer for the time we have here. Uh, these verses have really touched me lately. I was sharing with my dear brother and friend. Uh, it's from Hebrews. He said, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought, uh, brought 
into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So, Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. That's how I want for us to feel. Let us leave our cocoons, affluence, go outside the city, go outside our villages, <coughs> cross culture. And this is what I will be sharing with you when it comes to Africa. How the gospel, like Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 uh, to 14, uh, and he broke down the middle wall. Once we were not part of the commonwealth of Israel. Once I was not a citizen. You know, once I was an enemy of God. Romans 5. Therefore, we now have access. Uh, the war is over in that we now have peace with God. The broken bridge has been rebuilt. And here we stand as children of God. This is how I want for you to feel. Paul said because of that we are compelled to go, to extend, to go beyond our language, the people we are used to, people that we don't understand. And that's the challenge. That's what I want for you to feel with what God, not just the violence you hear in Somalia, you hear in Mali, uh, you hear in Libya, but I want for you to see the hands of God. What God is doing in Africa. Uh, we don't have enough time in one hour for me to tell you all of that. Uh, but uh, one, if you are touched by this message and you want to talk more, <coughs> talk to me. Tomorrow I will take you for lunch. I will pray. You will pay. And then <laughs> I love this picture. What do you see? What do you see in that picture? Well, I'm mean, just describe what you see in the picture. Okay, cows. I know Victor is already excited. <laughs> now, what do you see? What else do you see? He's on the phone. <laughs> He's on the phone. <laughs> He's on the phone. He makes sure he has his spear because you know he have to be on the lookout for lions, right? Uh, what else do you see? You see, this is what God is doing. These are the vessels that God is using now in Africa. People who cannot even read and write. God is changing their lives and they are going into their own personal community. In fact, someone has said, uh, for, to reach Somalians, you have to build a church on a camel's back. Because they are always moving. Uh, someone told me the other day, I think it was Victor, he said there's no Somali church, but are Somali believers. And we see that as the Christianity, biblical Christianity spread in modern day Africa, breaking down ritualistic killings, 
removing hate between different tribal groups. This is what God is doing. Uh, I don't hope that you will hear that on CNN this evening or Fox or other news, but God is doing a great work. If I have Habakkuk, when you read Habakkuk chapter 1, the first three verses or four verses, he accuses God of what? God, you are indifferent. You are inactive. You are inconsistent. Uh, in, in Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5, God said, I'm doing a work. But if I even tell you what I'm doing, you would not believe it. Habakkuk said, try me. And that's what God is doing in Africa. From Cape Town to Cairo, God is working. When you look at Africa, um, to just see some of these things, I have, you know, this map, I really like this, to just give you a picture of what's happening. Uh, now people say that there are about, what, 55, 58 independent African countries today. About 1.2, 1.3 billion Africans have come from West Africa. About 400 million uh, West Africans. Half of that are Nigerians. Just in itself, Nigerians. If a Morocco in the north as legally sad now, Morocco is no more in North Africa. On paper, they are now part of West Africa. And so when you go back to the early 1900s, by that time, Africa had been completely colonized. And so Christianity was a little different at that time. We suffer under colonial oppression. But as colonialism moved out slowly, especially when Ghana and India independent in 1957, once that started, Africans started doing theology. Africans started searching the Bible to see where God is saying, not what people told them that God was saying, but they were now reading God's word for themselves. And when you follow from AD 33, when Christ passed, to come where we are today, it is a miracle of what God's spirit is doing. But then when colonialism left, African leaders started taking place. In fact, when you read about the Great Lakes Revival, Burundi, Rwanda, uh, uh, Congo, uh, uh, they used to call it Belgium Congo, uh, DRC, Democratic Republic of Congo, and then Uganda, and what, what is called the Tutsi Empire that was destroyed by Belgium, and most of the problem that is already there started with colonialism. But once these power left, God started preparing Africans, little by little. And then by the time you came to, what, 1962 to 1965, things started changing. African men of West Africa has already been free, except for Southern Africa, which was really late. And so when you go into theology and you follow the house of African do theology, how East African do the, you know, theology it will be a little different from how West African do theology because they, they gain independence early. But the gospel literally was changing. In fact, they, they, because of colonialism, African leaders came up with what they call la negritude, the, the place for blackness. And this is what liberation and African theology from. And slowly, slowly, as the church, as God invaded, is it as the colonialist was leaving, God was invading Africa with his Holy Spirit, changing hearts, bringing different tribes and different tribal groups together. 
and you see the witness here. So when they say the global south from AD 33, by the time we get to AD 50, things are going to be completely different. And we will see that as we go through the slides. I'm not going to read all of that, but uh, the one that I wanted to read... Oh, wait, okay, sorry. There you go. Just the one with the highlight. A typical Christian today would be what? Can I hear you? <laughs> yeah, today is a non-white woman. I mean, some of us live in Ethiopia. I used to go, I mean, if you have the map of Ethiopia, you go into Langando, you go to Sheshamani, you go in the north, these are people milking cow and singing some of the finest gospel songs. That's how God is changing Africa. That's the activities of God. Yet there's war in the north of Ethiopia right now as I'm talking to you. But what God is doing on the ground, you are not hearing it. And this is what I'm trying to tell you. In the global south, with what? Um, lower than average levels of what? Societal safety and proper health care. There's no 401k. They don't have some of the great things we have here. Like the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> we don't have those things. Like one of your finest philosophers once said, uh, Oprah Winfrey. Uh, <laughs> you know her? <laughs> yeah. Why one way? And we see that I'll talk to you. there will be a challenge as Christianity spread to the south and as Sunni Christians come to know. There will be a confrontation with secularization of your culture. And things that your value system and what have you will reject it. And Christians will be going against one another here in America. But why? Luther, not an activist but a theologian, he said that I cannot compromise my conscience. I stand with God. Therefore, I can do no otherwise. So help me, God. Here I stand. I hope we draw lines. A dear brother quoted a Bible verse that I will repeat. I think it's somewhere in the slides. But how do the early Christians, how did they, the early Christians, fight against the things that we are fighting against? With the blood of Jesus. They are testimonies. And they were not afraid to die. Philippians 1.21 For to me to live is Christ. To die is what? Ted Turner, the founder of CNN, I watched him one time. He said, Christians are losers. So I went and took Philippians 1.21 I said, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. So how can I lose? I can't. So God activities, and this is why I really want that. I just want to read the red, but it is so powerful. Missions will no longer work along the stream of expanding Western power. It's not like before the British are going to colonize Nigeria in the early 1800s, and then missionaries will 
hitched a ride on that ship to go to Africa. It has changed. They have to leave or they have to learn to go against the stream. And this situation, we shall find that the New Testament speaks to us much more directly than does the 19th century as we learn afresh what it means to bear witness to the gospel from what? From what? Opposition of weakness. Just recently, I will not call the country me, but a mother, a father, and their little child was put in jail in this country for no reason in East Africa because they are Christians. For no reason at all. No, they were not on Twitter. No, they were not on Instagram. They just jailed them. And these people have some of the most beautiful stories to tell us. How they were nursing their little baby that she just gave birth newly and they put them in jail. This church could not help. We were powerless. We were completely powerless. But it took the power of God. And so when they freed them, who did we give the credit to? Southeast? <laughs> who? Who did we give the credit to? I was telling someone the other day, I said, when we hear about this Christian have been jailed, they have killed this Christian, <coughs> yes, we feel horrible. But when you read the Bible, isn't that what God is telling us what happened to us? C.S. Lewis said, if you're looking for happiness, I don't recommend Christianity. It helps to highlight the basic point that Africa, Asia, and Latin America are where the majority of the world's Christians are located. But it is beyond Africa, the Caribbean's oceanic. God is doing not just in Africa. Like I said, I cannot talk about Africa and then, uh, without putting in these countries. I go to Mozambique. Mozambique was colonized by uh, Portuguese. I go there. Who do I meet? Missionaries. From where? Can you guess? Korea. From Brazil. Why? Portuguese. Angola, who do I meet at? Brazilian missionaries. Guinea-Bissau, who do I meet? Brazilians. Brazilian church are now sending Christians to China. Now, Americans tell me, when you show up in China, how do the Chinese view you? A friendly? Phone or? No, you, are, you work for the CIA. <laughs> they put someone behind and start checking on you. Now when a Brazilian show up, what happens? Oh, he's a soccer player. <laughs> you see what God is doing? This is why we need to support indigenous missions. I have to put our plug in. <laughs> we have come to see that mission is not just merely an activity for the church. It's a lifeline. We should see uh, uh, everything from Genesis. You know, first I used to say there are only four chapters in, in the Bible that doesn't talk about vis- uh, uh, missions. Can you need no four chapters? Genesis 1 and 2. Revelation 21, 22, right? 
But can we truly say that it doesn't speak about missions? No, it does. Creation was relational. And if it was relational, God had to leave his seat when he said in Genesis 126 and 27, let us go and make man in our own image, man and woman. I love this. <laughs> Literally. We are called to be what? That's why the church is spreading in Africa. That's why the church is spreading in Asia. That's why the church is spreading in Latin America. Uh, uh, D. Lord Jones, the British theologian, once said in his book, Preaching and the Preacher, it is one thing to love preaching, but do you love the people that you are preaching to? Do you truly love them or do you see them as objects of your evangelism? Or as tools to raise funds? We are kingdom people. And the Canadian mystic, A.W. Tozer, said that before the kingdom of God comes, yours must go. You can't be sitting on there and be, that kingdom come. God said, yeah, when you step down, that will come. The Zambians proverb say that if you think you are too insignificant to bring about transformation in your village, it means that you have never spent the night with a mosquito in the same bed. <laughs> if you think you are too insignificant to bring about change, it means you never spend one tiny little evening in the same bed with a mosquito. And you can't tell me there was no change in your life? Brothers, I really, really want to challenge you and challenge myself. Uh, I, I shouldn't be quoting Charlie when he's here. But Charlie said, he said, we are in a majority. What are we afraid of? Right? And we quote all these great Bible verses, greater than he that is in us and he that is in the world, and then we're afraid of the world. We are kingdom people, not church people. Kingdom people seek first the kingdom of God. Church people often put church work above concerns of justice, mercy, and truth. Church people think about how to get people into the church. Kingdom people do what? That's why the church is spreading. And I will give you examples as we go along. Uh, I love you, Susie. Tune and tell us which one you don't love. <laughs> uh, this from the Gambian theologian. He died now, Lame Sana. You have to read his book, uh, Lame Sana. Uh, he, breathtaking, no. This is not a defeat of Donald Trump when they say breathtaking. This has to do with the gospel. Among the many breathtaking developments in the post-World War is what? God is breaking down barriers. God is going to places where people thought he was never going to be. We'll come to Ethiopia. We'll come to the Sudan. We'll come to Nigeria. But this is what God is doing. It says here, post-Christian... Christian resurgence with unflattened momentum. Christianity has become or is fast becoming the principal religion 
of the people of the world. Somalia, Eritrea, Guinea, West Africa, Equatorial Guinea. Do you know Latin? Anyone can guess the language they speak in Equatorial Guinea? It's a tiny little country. Spanish. Yeah, they speak Spanish. So if you hear, you say, well, I got nowhere else to go, please, Equatorial Guinea, and they are really rich in oil. <laughs> so they can go there. The whole world is open. Last year, God made a total recall, you know, to you know to do some renovation. So we close, we did close everything down. But now everything is open. We are without excuse. Uh, I've been debating or debating with people when Americans say the, the 1040 window. Anyone know what that is? Right? Yeah, it's a place that is hard to go. It's closed. And then I said, <laughs> Who said it was close? Saudi Arabia? They sent Saudi Arabian Christians there. They are citizens of that country. Let them go there. Breathtaking. And Lamin goes on to say that we have become major centers of Christian impact while Europe and North America once considered the religious heartland are notably in, rec- in recession. Uh, we seem to be in the middle of a massive cultural shift. That's what happened in Africa. Things are not the same anymore. There are, there are more Nigerian missionaries in Washington, D.C., and Chicago than any other people groups. We are the testimony of what God has done. There was an article in Christianity Today, there, I think it was 1985 issue, The Tomb Speaks. It's just beautiful when you read a story. In the early 1900s, missionaries from this country went to South Korea, died there, they were buried, and what have you. Where why do we have the most Presbyterian today? In which country? I can't hear you. South Korea. South Korea. In 2015, South Korea became what? The number one selling country in the world. This is where you're just supposed to get up and hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> you, just, you just think. And they are doing it independent of the West. But we are still in fellowship. But for the first time, these men and women that went there from the beginning, that laid the seed, that planted the seed, the largest Presbyterian community is no more in America. It's in South Korea. John Piper put this, I, I, I love it. The country with the fastest growing evangelical church is not the Americas, Europe, or even Africa, but right in the Middle East, or the 1040 window, Iran. What do you hear about Iran? Just, can you, anyone tell me about Iran? Death to America. Yeah, death to, death to America. Uh, the Iranian bomb, right? 
We never talk about the gospel grenade. We never talk about the gospel bomb. I'm telling you, the Iranian Christians that I have met, these people are on fire. We met one in Greece recently when we were there. You hear his story. He's praying for 10 families to join him in Greece. Iranians, it's that God is moving the world around so we can engage them. Brothers and sisters, we should not sit on our hands. Like I said, I will not, another breathtaking, according to missiology, by 2025, it might be in our own lifetime, right? Some of us might be living. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> I didn't do that. But in our own lifetime, by 2025, how long? It's coming up on the other screen. <laughs> <laughs> you got to move over there. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, trust me, I'll be reading it on my word for it. <laughs> According to missiology, this is our own lifetime. I know there are other people who are prophesying, other prophets are prophesying that the world will end soon. But I'm saying that by 2025, according to missiology, those who know Christians will live in Africa. Majority of the Christians will be living in Africa. What an excitement. Because first of all, these are people who are not afraid these are people who have suffered so much. So, you know, it's almost like Lazarus. You say, I'm going to kill you. You say, go ahead and make my day. <laughs> I just bend dead and back. Going hungry? No. We are used to that. You're going to deprive me? You're going to jail me? Oh, yes. You're going to oppress me? We are already used to that. And this is what God is bringing these people now we have, what, 15,000 plus Somalis right here in Louisville. About 65,000 in Columbus, Ohio, Somalis. The highest Somali concentration is in many, uh, Minneapolis and Seattle, Washington. And so the, the, the nations have come to us, and what are we doing? We are living in the world church, and African, Africa is right at the center of that. So sorry. It's still showing on the other end. <laughs> uh, I uploaded, uh, uploaded the, the, the PowerPoint so you, I think you will get it. You know, this will give you a greater picture of the global south. But this is what God is doing. He's spreading his gospel. So Africans and now they have their own mission agency and sending missionaries across Africa and across the world. Nigerians are sending missionaries, ECOA, that's the local mission of Christians I work with in Nigeria, ECOA. They are sending missionaries to Pakistan. Nigerians are going to China. This is what God is doing. So the gospel, so my perspective of missions is no different from yours. It takes two hands to wash one. 
So together, we're going to spread God's word. Together, we're all going to bring transformation. And if your house is on fire in America, we want to come and help. If you are struggling with social issues, we want to be there to pray for you as a nation. Then you will turn back to God. You invested in us. Now you are getting that return. But we come here to invest in your country. Two conferences that gave a typical example. In, 20, uh, in, in 1910, all the delegates that went to this conference were all Europeans. And then we have what? In 2000, it says 10,000 delegates, more nations than in the United Nations, gather in Amsterdam. Gather in Amsterdam to worship God. Uh, if you go and actually Google that conference and see some of the pictures, uh, it, it, there's a picture that really attracted me. Uh, the lines for hamburgers were very short. Uh, the line for rice and beans was the longest. <laughs> so it just shows that where God was bringing most of the people from. I love this map. When you look at a global south in Latin America, you have six, uh, 612 million in Africa, 667 million Christians today in Africa. Alan, can you do something about this? I'll do because that's beyond what I can do. Okay. I'm waiting for somebody to come. Sorry, I hope we're not depriving you. Sorry, I'm working there. But it's when you... Uh, in Togo. Togo is a tiny little country. In fact, I don't know if this is true or not, So, but Charles de Gaulle, the president of France, was so angry with the Togolese and he just wanted to bomb them. So he was looking for the country on the map. He couldn't find it, so he changed his mind not to bomb it. But his tongue was oh, cool. His tongue was on the country, so he couldn't see it. And so we say, thank God, Togo is still there today. <laughs> but you go to Mali, you go to Mali, you see Christians. You see now, Mandingo Christians, Mandingo are the largest tribal groups in West Africa, along with the Fulamins and the Wolofs. And so Mandingos are now sending uh, uh, missionaries from the Ivory Coast all the way to Senegal. I can I can, I mean we have missionaries in Niger, northern Nigeria even reaching some of the people you call Boko Haram. They need a gospel also. Yes. And that's what God is doing. So when I see picture like this or graph like this, I go to bed, I just sleep like a baby. You know why? He's still in control. I love this. These are Ethiopians. This is home. This is home away from home. Bethany, I lived there for five years. The Ethiopian church, Addis Ababa, uh, by four <laughs> by four A.D., the Coptic Christians foray into Aksum, 
Ethiopia and Christianity was born by 4 AD in Addis Ababa. It was the home of Christianity in Africa. And today the Ethiopian church, China again, are sending missionaries to China. And these missionaries lead Chinese to Christ, then send these Chinese Christians back to Ethiopia for discipleship. After the discipleship, these Ethiopian churches commission the Chinese Christians to go reach the Chinese in Africa. Only God can do that. There are over a million Chinese in Ethiopia, over 100,000 Ethiopians in Zambia, I mean, uh, uh, Chinese in Zambia, because of the largest copper mine in Zambia. And God is bringing them, drawing them out of there. If they are oppressed, God is bringing the Chinese are spread all over the world. So instead of sending missionary to China, send, <laughs> send them to Ethiopia to reach the Chinese in Ethiopia. Because they are open to the gospel. In fact, the, the Chinese are now bringing their grandparents so Africans can take care of them in Ethiopia. And guess what these Ethiopians are telling these grandparents that they're bringing? The largest block of missionaries in the Middle East are Ethiopians. Maids working in the homes of sheikhs. The Ethiopian church are treating these maids now as missionaries and sending them as maids. Brothers and sisters, when you are discouraged tonight, just get up and pray for these missionaries who are going into this risky place. Some of these Ethiopians have been killed. Some of these women have been abused. But the power of God. The power of God. Okay, sorry. There's a beautiful picture, if you can see it, from 1960 and how that has shifted. Completely shifted. It's what uh, Christians from the South are now in a majority. You know, we have no safety nets. God is all in all. And somewhere in Africa, we still believe in miracles, by the way. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And somewhere in Africa, we still believe in dreams and visions. We still believe that God is working and God is powerful. And that's why God is moving in these areas. Somewhere in Africa, we still believe in healings. And somewhere in Africa, we don't have 911. So our 911 is kind of vertical. That's why God is functioning. I hope they will leave my time back to me. So this will come down. You better just keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but this is what God is doing. Because people believe God. He said it and I believe it. There are people who don't believe in dreams, but they follow UFOs. <laughs> The centers of the church universality are no longer in Geneva, Rome, Paris, but they are, in, they are in Kinshasa, Addis Ababa, Manila. God is moving. If even you are not moving, I, I was talking to a good friend and brother the other time about Jonah. I'm studying Jonah. God said, Jonah, get up and go. Jonah said, no, I'm not going anywhere. 
That's chapter 1 and 2. And then chapters 3 and 4, Jonah, get up and go. Yes, I'm going to go. It's, that's how things happen with God. You know, He does not just give up on you. And if you are discouraged, you are young, you are in medical school, uh, you are at what? 85. Read Joshua chapter 14 tonight. Joshua said, I was 45, and it's been 45 years. I'm ready to still go fight as if I was still 45 years old. So don't lose heart, please. Yeah, I will just put this on the map and then you can't see, sorry, you can't see it. This is so beautiful. <laughs> okay, I talked about Oxum already, but let me talk a little bit about um, Nuba. Because most people don't know that Sudan used to be a Christian center. Uh, Nuba, today, in fact, Charlie and I was on a Zoom meeting with a missionary from Egypt. This is an Egyptian who is now planting churches in Sudan as a whole. And he's talking to Charlie uh, so he can partner with us. He's, he's training missionaries. He brings these missionaries from Mauritania, from Libya, from Algeria, from Senegal, and train them in Senegal and then send them back into North Africa. Under God. Only God can do those things. And at times, some of these indigenous missionaries don't need much. They don't need to learn their language. They got it. Since they were, I mean, they were in the mother's womb when they started hearing it. They don't need a history. They've been suffering from that history already. They don't need a culture. They know the culture. And they have the skill sets. They know the parables. They know the idioms. I have to learn American idioms here. Can you imagine that? The first time I came from the Civil War, 14 years Civil War, I come here, the first idiom I heard, was, you have to bite the bullet. I said, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> but I have to learn it. Another thing that struck me was your idiom, so you have to put your foot in your mouth. The last time I did that, I don't even remember. <laughs> but you have to learn it. Believe in the Bible in the global south. Uh, what God is active uh, in Africa. At the time of the Magna Carta, that is the crusade, a typical Christian we should still be thinking not of what? A French person. It's almost like God is going back home. He came to the north, he went to the rest of the country, and for some reason he was rejected. I think it's John chapter 1 verse 9. He came onto his own and his own receiving that. And so he opened it up. <laughs> he said, okay, if, if, if you don't accept me, it's not open to the whole world. <clears throat> and there where we are today. God is doing a great job, a great work in this area. I hope you can buy this book, convince your wife, convince your husband so you can have it. At current pace, by 2050, only one-fifth of the world's Christians will be non-Hispanic white. Soon the phrase white Christians it will be like what? An oxymoron. Because God is coloring his nations. The issue of race. Uh, a dear brother have said if there's problem, 
the church is the solution. Yeah. The church is definitely the solution. In, uh, in Africa, strong emphasis on the Bible. We believe the Bible literally. The worldview of the southern church is very close to that of the Bible. And this is why um, in every tribe in Africa, we already have a concept of God. We have a view of God. And so you don't have to do much homework. You don't have to do much work. If you just live like a Christian, you will attract the nations to you. Strong emphasis on spiritual power, charismatic gifts. We, we, we still believe that, by the way. Um, we dance, we sing. I mean, if you've been disappointed by your government all your life, God becomes everything in your life. Poor and emphasizing issues of justice. This is where sometimes uh, some of the social justice come from. We'll be looking at ever greater imbalance between the rich and the poor. And then, this is a serious part, often in areas of persecution and conflict. Uh, but we're not afraid. We are not afraid of conflict. And we are not even afraid when someone unfriend us on Facebook. You know, we, 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 you know, we take it like a man or woman, you know. Because there are better things to be angry about than being unfriendly on Facebook. They say, yeah, like one of your finest philosophers said, uh, Lady Gaga, you know, uh, <laughs> you know who I'm talking about? <laughs> you know, if you have nothing to do, you will find a place to do it. Yeah. Millions of Christians around the world do in fact live in constant danger of persecution, brothers and sisters. Constant danger. Sit and don't take vacation. It works over time. When you come to Christianity, like Mark, there's no discount in discipleship. I've never seen a part-time Christian. You can't say, you know, I'm not feeling too good today, so I'm going to stay away from him. And then the future, Islam, Nigeria. I mean, some of you have heard that in Nigeria. Some of you have heard that in Ethiopia, Somalia. Uh, you heard that in North Africa, Tunisia. I mean, Tunisia, Kaddish. In 397, the New Testament was put together in this African country. Today's Muslim country. Where is the church? Where are the Christians? Yeah, these are the hard places by 2050 that we will be wrestling over. Overwhelmingly Christian, Pakistan, Bangladesh, uh, Saudi Arabia, mainly Muslim with significant Christian uh, minorities, Indonesia, Egypt, and Sudan. But God is also active in Sudan and in Egypt. This is what, anyone know the name Tatulan? Tatulan was an Egyptian uh, church historian who said, what has Athens to do with, what has Jerusalem to do with Athens? In fact, it was Tertullian that coined the word Trinity. In Alexandria, Egypt, it was a Christian center. You know the name Athanasius? The Athanasius Creed? 
Here we are today, Egypt is on Islam. Wake up. Time is always an enemy. Especially for me. The expansion of God's kingdom should be global, but its incarnation should be local. And this is where, again, partnership. Uh, you from the global north and with the global south as we partner. Don't impose. Uh, let us dance in our churches. Uh, when I first came here, I went to church. Uh, Beth and I was, was standing with everyone. I said, wow, this can be a funeral. This is church, right? Yeah. Everybody just stiff. I said, what's wrong with these Americans? And then Sunday afternoon, I turned on the TV. The Broncos are playing. Oh, these, some of them are dancing without shirts. I mean, jumping up. I said, but why you didn't do that in church? As Christianity comes to be seen as the effect jungle religion, the secular West will turn on us. Keep that in mind. You will become more secular and secular. A few things I want to leave with you here as I squeeze uh, time in. Christianity is a missionary religion, and that's, that's one of the reasons why. Because we, Africa has become missional. Sneezy, you, you see, you cannot own sneeze or sneeze. You cannot own sneeze the gospel. It's contagious. How long did it take for the virus to spread, for everyone to hear in the world that was a coronavirus? How long did it take? A thousand years? Who have not heard about coronavirus yet? The God of the Old Testament is what? A missionary God. Christ of the Gospel is a missionary Christ. So you're not doing anything new that he hasn't done. You are not going into a territory that where God is not already there. No, it's like Jonah. You know why I'm not going? Because you are not there. The Holy Spirit. First of all, he drove the church, he literally drove the church out of Jerusalem. Get up. Go to the nations. The church of the epistles are missionary churches. The end of Revelation is a missionary end. Mission lives are the very heart of God and therefore are the very heart of the believing community. That's why the church is spreading. Boy, I'm doing good on time. Partnership between the north and south. This is what we should do. I talked to ITAC last night. Those guys made my life restless. I hope I've done the same to you too. I couldn't sleep last night because what I was hearing, what, the possibility of gathering together to work in West Africa. I see some young faces here. Please, if you're having problems getting out of America, I can get you visa into Ethiopia. I can get you visa into Uganda. It's not a problem. Talk to me. I mean that. Get my contact. Because there's hope. God has already gone ahead of us. 
This is what Paul said. Paul writing to the, to the Philippians in jail. He sits in jail, carved to uh, a, a Praetorian guard. So he sits there, he's watching, he's writing this down. Whatever happens, what should we do? Conduct. What is coronavirus? Uh, uh, by the way, brothers and sisters, I am a victim of coronavirus. Yeah, but I don't know who to sue yet. But thanks to my doctor, who's also here today. <laughs> yeah. But Paul said, whatever happens, conduct yourself. Three things you recommend is what? Be what? Faithful. But don't just be faithful. Be what? Forceful. And... First, uh, and uh, Philippians 1.29 Jesus Christ has granted unto us not to only believe in him but to also do what? It will cause you when you are faithful. It will cause you when you are forceful. It will cause you even if you are fearless. Christian, that's, that's, that's Christianity. And John stopped. We're close with that. We must be what? Global what? Why? We might be what? A global Christian with what? A global vision. Why should we? Because our God is a tribal God. Right? No, he's not. He's a global Christian. How many, that's it, right? Yeah, I, wow, I did it. <laughs> one quick one quick question before anybody have a brain just one I'll just take one question you should be lucky alright yes not, not a question but the scan code by the doors you scan that and give only five stars on your rating <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much thank you for coming I hope you will not sleep tonight I will be praying that you will not sleep <laughs> thank you Oh, one question. Okay, okay, wait, wait. I didn't think you mentioned like your organization. Did you mention? Yeah, I work here with Southeast, and then we have a ministry in Liberia. What's your name? East Liberia. What do you think that's your name? Twenty third. Yeah. So you have a password. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, brother. I heard you and the fact that uh, mission today is from everywhere to everywhere and that there's a big shift and uh, so there's no sending countries and receiving countries. Amen. All that's taken on board. Yes. But I think once you demolish that, then the question is how do you build a case for cross-cultural mission beyond partnership? What, what is the theological basis then? For cross-cultural mission becomes weak. So my this is my interpretation. I think there is a need for cross-cultural mission because discipleship is the area where there is a major issue. And uh, those we see great things happening all over the world, Africa, Asia. By the way, I work in South Sudan. But when you look at the way that Christianity has actually uh, has it gone into the culture? Like you ask the question, is it is God a tribal God? When I go there, a lot of people tell me our God will heal you. Still, the assumption, though they are, I'm a Christian and they're Christians, 
they somehow assume that their God is different from my God. So the idea of a global God, a universal God, may not have really penetrated into many of the cultures. So, quickly, because of time, I got your question. First of all, when you ask questions, and Paul just like hitting my head. Paul said, "What walking through your city, I observed that you guys are really religious. In fact, you have an altar built over there to the unknown God. But you know what? Let's start with that. What you don't know, I'm here. Let's start with the Creator, because the perception of your worldview is that there is a God." And then Paul said, God of heaven and earth. Who will, I mean, who will refuse that? This is where contextualization comes in. But when I say a global God, I'm speaking to an audience that are already Christian. So I was, if I address cross-cultural issues, then I will go in there. And they still those theological tensions, what have you. What is problematic? Female genital mutilation, uh, tribal or tribalism. Uh, forgiveness and forgiving. So, but then the context he gave me was just the mission activities. If I was discussing African theology, then I would touch and break it for you are right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming.